Oh, yes. My God today. Listen, if you do not know what song that is and what album that is and who those folks are singing, you really don't need to listen to this podcast. (laughs) My God today. That is gospel gold. Can we just say that? That is just gospel gold. Wow. The legendary Karen Clark Sheard, along with her young daughter at the time, Kiera Sheard Kelly. I am just so elated to really do this review because this is like one of my favorite people, favorite artists of all time in gospel. And and I can just say of all time, really, because I'm a huge gospel head, but I love all genres of music. But I am just so partial to Kiara Sheard. And also, I just feel like we have a lot of similarities because we grew up in the same denomination. But also, there's something about the folks who were raised in 87, 88, 89, I'm sorry, and 90, I'll give you 92. It's just something about us. Like we are the true millennials. We are the ones who remember what it's like to grow up outside, but then also be introduced to technology, you know, you know, the Nokia phones and us playing snake in church and, you know, going outside and being in the house before the lights come on on the streets, you know, just this whole experience that that particular generation grew up in. um, It is something that is shared. And then also just some of the artists and celebrities and music artists who were raised or born during that time are just, just phenomenal. I mean, Rihanna, Chris Brown, I even throw Taylor Swift in there, you know, uh, Kiara Sheard, you know, like all these folks who were raised around the same, um, the, the, around the same time. We, we, we're just a different breed, you know what I'm saying? And I rock with my folks in the 80s, you know, the, the latter part of the 80s, you know. Uh, <laughs> so Kiki Palmer too, but I'm not, I think Kiki Palmer was born in the early 90s because she's a little younger, um, but we can throw her in the mix too. But anywho, I am just super excited to do this review. Um, please stay tuned. Your boy's coming back with a review of the vibes you feel by the one and only Kiera Sheard Kelly. She's not only a singer, but she is a two-time author. So stay tuned. Yo, 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 it's your boy Tate, a.k.a. Mr. Big Head, and I am back with another episode of Mr. Big Head Reads, highlighting the book The Vibes You Feel by Kiara Sheard Kelly. Now, I mentioned earlier that I vibe well with uh, millennials from 87, 88, 89, and 90 sometimes. Uh, <laughs> I do not want to come off as an ageist or... Um, or someone who doesn't, you know, embrace all the millennials, right? Because millennials, I believe, goes from 82 to 94. 
Um, but I was just saying that there's something special about those born from 87 to 90. Just God put his, his good work in uh, during that time. So, <laughs> but I'm just teasing. But I really do stand by what I said with Kiara Sheard Kelly. She is a phenomenal artist, a phenomenal preacher, um, and a great author. And that is what we're here for today. Just to highlight her book, The Vibes You Feel. Uh, this is her second book. Um, uh, the first book, I believe, is called Big, Bold, and Beautiful. Um, but she has written this book uh, to basically talk about the the lessons that she has learned throughout life um, and her relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so I really enjoyed the book. I will be the first to say that this book was not written for me. <laughs> and what I mean by that is that Kiara tends to have a very uh, targeted audience. And um, most of the time it is women, uh, Christian women, um, particularly Black women, right? And so for me, I didn't really take away a lot of like major nuggets or advice or like wisdom from the book um but it was really nice to like get these kind of like sneak peeks of Kiara's like life if you will because she shared a lot of like her relationships and friendships and the teachings of her mother and dad and the teaching of the church that um that she implemented in this book and I thought that it was a you know a really nice book I don't think that um it was like deeply theological, um, astounding. I don't think that it was rigorous at all, but I understand why she wrote it. And I think that is going to really touch those who are young, um, who maybe just, you know, giving their life to Christ. If you are a Christian and they're just trying to navigate, right, this new life that they're on, this new journey that they're on. Um, and really figuring out ways to discern the voice of God and also um, how to discern, right, the Holy Spirit. And so um, so she gives some really good key points on, like, you know, the role that the Holy Spirit plays in a Christian's life. Um, she gives a lot of great uh, insight on communication. I think my favorite chapter in the book is I Washed a Stranger's Feet. Um, I will just say this, Kiara is a great communicator in many ways. I think that she does a really good job with utilizing the teachings of her parents and the church and her lived experiences in a way that really inspires others. Um, and she's able to really um, be a great orator of just of the Bible in a way that is digestible and easy to um, easy to understand for someone who might be young or new in their faith. And so I think that this book is definitely worth reading if you fall into one of those categories. As I mentioned before, you know, new in your faith, you're young, you're a black woman. Um, and I don't think there's any harm or any issue with having a targeted audience, right? Um, and she's definitely writing for um, that particular group of groups of people. Now, the book is 30 chapters. 
um the chapters aren't aren't as long but she in in my opinion it feels like i'm reading her diary or a journal or something um because in many ways it felt like oh like she is like pulling from experiences for this chapter that seems very intimate and it seems very um personal so which is great i think many people like that uh she ends the chapter with a prayer which i think is also very dope um but again like 30 chapters is a lot of chapters <laughs> uh for a book and i think that she could have you know condense a little bit maybe you know wrap this up in six chapters maybe at most but <laughs> that's just my two cents but again I was not the person she was writing this book for, which is okay. And I love reading. I'm I'm a lover of books, obviously, but I love anything that Kiara does, and I'm gonna I'm gonna really support her. So I just you know whether she's writing for me or not, I'm gonna I'm gonna purchase the books. So um, I will say one of the things that was a pet peeve for of of mine uh, with this book is the masculine um, pronouns that was used frequently throughout the Bible, oh, I'm sorry, throughout the book to represent God and the Holy Spirit, which is not uncommon, right? So we know this is not nothing new. Um, and I think for me, I was more so like, because I'm reading 30 chapters, I'm like, my goodness, we use he, him, his a lot to describe God and the Holy Spirit. And then it just really dawned on me how like limiting that is. Um, but I also know too that I have a different perspective now. Like while I might have been raised in the same tradition as Kiara, um, my education and my life, my life's journey has, you know, taken a different route. And because of that, I picked up a lot of things and I learned a lot of things where I do feel as though that. God is way bigger and way more vast than just limiting God's self to a masculine pronoun. Um, you know, I think that God is, for me, in many ways, and we've seen the hashtag and we've seen the church that says, God, I met God and she is black. And I think for me, whenever I hear the Holy Spirit um, as Kiara noted in her book, um, we sometimes get that little still voice that warns us about something, or it's a voice that is confirming something, or um, or that's heeding, you know, giving us warning that we need to take heed to. Uh, whatever it may be, these various um, instances that we hear the Holy Spirit, we hear God speaking to us. Um, she framed it in a way that is coming through a masculine energy, a masculine voice, right? Like God is saying, no, Tate, you should not go to that party on Friday night, right? Like, um, or whatever it may be, whatever the, 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 the instance may be. But for me, this is me putting my business out, but I hear God's voice and I know it's God. I hear mostly God's voice through feminine pronouns, through really feminine energy. And so, meaning I hear God through a woman's voice sometimes. Um, 
And I think that that's okay. <laughs> um, I, I think that, again, like, I see where she was going with this book, but I think that there could be so many opportunities to expand the conversation, to expand the way that we look at God, to expand the um, the experiences we have of God and of the Spirit, right? Because what she's saying is, is something that we all experience, whether you are a believer or not, whether you are a Christian or not, right? It just shows up in different contexts. So the the Holy Spirit to check you or to uh, convict you, as she puts it um, plainly in many of the chapters, um, right, doesn't only just come through the Holy Spirit, but if you get into another context or you ask someone else from another religious you know, background, they may say, oh, yeah, that, you know, that's a deity or, you know, that's the ancestral power, right, um, that is leading us and guiding us throughout this journey called life. Um, you know, and so I think for me, it's a both and. Like, I hear God's voice and I feel my ancestors near me, right? Um, the vibes you feel, the title of her book, even just the word vibes, right? Um, can be take can be taken numerous ways, and so I think that um, like these this vibe that she alludes to, um, what she's equating the vibe to the Holy Spirit, I think can also be expanded a bit, right? Um, and so personally, for me, whenever I've been warned or um, if there's something that is coming up in my life, and I just need to really, you know sound or silence all the voices and just listen to God's voice, I'm not going to lie to y'all. I would say eight times out of 10, <laughs> I'm hearing my grandmother's voice or I'm hearing, you know, a, a, a very like soft voice that could be interpreted as a woman. Right. So, um, and I think that impacts the way that we view God in many ways, right? Um, and it's not always consistent, but I do think that, you know, there's so much to explore when we talk about the Holy Spirit and when we talk about discerning the whole, the, uh, the the Holy Spirit's voice or God's voice, right? Um, she gets in the whole, you know, Trinity. She uses the Trinity a lot in the book. Um, and again, if you know her, faith tradition in her denomination, right? Um, we believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? So the tree, the, the, the triad that kind of guides um, her faith, right? Um, whereas other people believe in oneness, right? And I'm not here to get into a oneness versus Trinity debate. This is not that type of podcast, um, or at least I'm not going to get into debate by myself. Maybe if I was with someone else. But anyway, <laughs> and I have a lot of apostolic friends. Um, you know, I just think that it's one book, the Bible, that is interpreted in so many different ways, right? Um, and I think that that causes us to have a little bit more, um, that we should have a little bit more diversity within the Bible, a little bit more diversity in interpretation and expansive conversations around God and God's self, right? God's identity and the way that God shows up into our lives and in our in our spirits, you know? Um, so I, I guess for me, and I'm not disappointed by it because I know what to expect from her in terms of her writings, but I wish that 
she would push the notion just a bit because of her influence, I think that it would cause a lot of positive conversations. I think that, you know, she might get pushed back if she were to, you know, gender God as, as a she. But I think that, you know, we need to start having these conversations. And the conversations are being had, honestly. But I think particularly within her context, um, in her Pentecostal tradition, it would be nice to, you know, have someone of her influence or someone of her um, status to be able to kind of like push the status quo just a bit, right? Um, what I do like that she did use someone, her name is, you said, Victoria McAfee, um, to kind of give her some theological grounding for the book. Um, and I thought that was great, but here's my critique again. I think that she should have used someone who was one younger um, and two comes from a more liberated theological background um, because I've read one of Victoria McAfee's books before and it's very similar to Kiera's style of writing. Um, but, you know, Miss McAfee, no shade, but she's a little older and uh, she comes from a very conservative background. And I think that, you know, because Kiera is young, she has such a young vibrant audience and following that really this is my plug and if somebody can send this podcast to Kiara I would love that hey Kiara if you're listening my plug would be if she could work with some phenomenal researchers and theologians within our generation that would oh that would benefit her so greatly in her writing I would encourage her to reach out to like Reverend Brianna Parker, um, Reverend Dr. Um, Dominique Robinson, right? Who's my homie. Um, and Dr. Gina Robinson. Oh, another Robinson. Um, another homie um, whose research is steeped in women and girls ministries and um, particularly black women. Um, and these three women that I just named are, you know, theologically trained, um, have their doctorates and they earned it. Hello, somebody. Uh, <laughs> and they also have a large following and research base in women and young girls, um, again, specifically with black women, um, in ministry and things like that. And I think that if she were to have a sit down with one of one of those three or not all three, that would be dope. Like, I think her writings would be challenged in a positive way. Um, it would just be a great opportunity for her to be in community with folks who are around her age who, you know, is just dope individuals, right? I love those young ladies. I only know Dominique and Gina. Um, I only know of Brianna's work and I'm a fan. And I think that Kiara would benefit from being around um, young theologians like, like those three. Um, but other than that, I think the book is great. You know, I would definitely encourage you all to buy for your, you know, your daughters, your nieces, um, you know, your girlfriends or your wives or, um, you know, your friends, whatever you may be. I think that it's a nice read. Um, I would download, I would encourage you, I got the book um, and I got the Audible, but I would do the Audible 
first um, because, you know, Kiera is very animated and she's actually, you know, reading along. And so I think it will be great to have that in your ear while reading this book. So, yes. So, again, the book wasn't written for me. And I recognize that and honor it, but I'm going to support my girl Key because I support her and all that she does. And so, um, so yeah, I hope y'all go ahead and enjoy it. Listen to me. I love me some Toni Morrison. Okay. And she once said that if there's a book that you want to read, but it hasn't been written yet, then you must write it. And I am a strong believer of that. The Vibes You Feel by Kiara Sheard Kelly was a book that she needed to read, right? And so she took on the responsibility to write it. And I hope that you all can find time to do the same. If there is a book or if there's a journal article blog that you need you need to write it. Take on the responsibility. Take on the burden, right, to write that. Um, the same thing, like, with this podcast, I realized that there was a po- podcast that I was looking for, and, and it wasn't created, or at least there wasn't a lot of space for, you know, Black men who love books and who do, you know, uh, book reviews. And so I created it, and I want to encourage you all to create those things um that may not be in existence right now but you know that there's a need for it all right so um as you can tell i love books i love the black church i love religion i love music i love inclusion and diversity and food and um and also theological (laughs) uh conversations and so um i want to pick up just real quick where i left off in my last episode um as to why i chose to go to theology school as i mentioned before i was heavily influenced by my undergraduate uh, undergraduate chaplain and um a res life um which stands for residence life um staff member who was heavily influential during my college years in undergrad and because i was an active student i was active in um undergrad i wanted to continue in student affairs Student affairs is one of those industries that you don't know exists until you go to college. <laughs> and so when I realized that, oh, my God, I can actually work with students, make an impact and get paid for this. I want to do this. Right. Um, but my undergraduate chaplain said, you know, there's a call in your life. You need to go to you know, divinity school. And I always told him, I said, I do not want to become a pastor. And he told me that. I can't help it, (laughs) but he said that there are going to be opportunities where you are not going to be behind a pulpit per se, but you will have a platform. And so he was like, you need to be prepared and trained. And so um, I didn't listen to him and I took like two years off and then I started working for YouthWorks, which is a nonprofit Christian organization um based out of minneapolis and i was stationed across the country in different areas um and during the time that i was working in chicago i'll never forget this i was debating whether or not i wanted to go to go to um vanderbilt um emory and then union theological center in new york 
And I was only considering Union because I was like, that's my seminary option. But the other two schools, I was going to get my master's in higher education or higher or in student affairs. And I'll never forget it, but there was this white priest. Yes, you heard me correctly. A white priest <laughs> that I met in Chicago. And he pulled me to the side while we were on a mission site um, in Southside Chicago. And he said that there is something very special about you. And he said, you are called to the ministry. And I'm looking at him, this white man, in as the sun is beaming down on his bald head and his white collar is showing because, you know, he's a priest. So obviously he's going to wear his collar everywhere he goes. And I said, ha, ha, ha. I was like, I don't want to become a pastor or definitely not a priest. And he made the joke and he's but he responded and said, you can do priestly things without being a priest and i was like interesting and he basically shared with me that there are so many other vocations that i can take with the theological training that i would eventually receive but he was like don't limit yourself just to the church and and in many ways, he also meant don't limit yourself just to the collar. So many people are collar craving. They just crave the collar. And it's like, I'm sorry, I don't want that bondage for the rest of my life. <laughs> because it really is, right? It is a dedication. You are saying that I am, you know, agreeing to be oppressed, you know, with the burden of ministry, um, with the burden of, of, of the call. And so for me, that was just like so much and I didn't want to do that. And, but what he said to me really stuck, stuck, stuck out. And so I began to change my, uh, graduate pursuits and I begin to now look at seminary schools and ironically, Emory and Vanderbilt both had like a, um, seminary school, a um, attached to the institutions. And so that is what led me to go into seminary school at Emory. I chose Emory for other reasons, but mainly because it was in Atlanta and I was going to be around black people. And um, it was a smaller program. I didn't feel overwhelmed. And so, but I told God, I said, I'm going into this for you. But when I come out of this, I want you to do something for me. And that something was to get me into higher education. <laughs> and so um, I, so I went through three years of seminary training, seminary school at Candler School of Theology. Whoop, whoop, shout out to all of the folks out there. Um, and it was the most trying, the most rigorous, the most depressing, depressing time of my life. Excuse me. I lost my my grandmother during that time, lost very close friends. My identity was shifting in many ways. I just was lost. Everything that I thought I knew about the Bible and the characters in the Bible and, you know, the 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 theologies that it was presented to me as a kid was just being ripped up to shreds. And I was just like, oh my goodness. And I didn't know what to believe in no more. I, I just lost myself and fell into a deep, dark depression. And to the point where I didn't want to leave my bed, I was okay with failing out of school if I failed out. Um, 
you know, and then losing my grandmother around that, you know, that around that same time was so pivotal because my grandmother also was a strong figure in my life who is who led me to Christ, who taught me everything I know about the the grand old church of God in Christ, but also about um, just God and God's self and spirituality and prayer, what it means to have a prayer life. And, you know, the tearing service that I would go to was with her and, you know, and waking up at five in the morning or at least pretending to, uh, and, you know, and to pray with her. Um, and so when I begin to uproot and begin to unearth all of these, you know, truths and myths about the Bible and spirituality, um, it almost felt as though that I was moving away from what my grandmother was teaching me and it, and that was hurtful. And so I was able to come out of that when I felt affirmed by God. Um, and it was like my third year. It took two years. It was my third year in school and I felt affirmed by God. Um, I felt that I was in the right place at the right time, so much so that when I went into seminary school, I said, God, I'm doing this for you. But when I come out of this, you got to do something for me. And that something, again, was me. I wanted a job secured, you know, in higher education. And sure enough, um, in 2016, it was our senior year, my senior year, spring semester, um, I was applying for jobs all over the place and ended up getting a job secured in in March. I didn't graduate to May, but March I had a job saying we we will wait on you when you graduate um, working at Fordham University in New York. And, you know, and it just blew my mind where they actually appreciated the fact that I had an MDiv and it does help that Fordham is a Jesuit institution, which is a Catholic school, but they appreciated the fact that I had a master's of divinity and, um, and it just worked out in my favor. And fast forward now to 2023, I've been in higher education for over seven and a half, well, almost eight years now. Um, and wow, like here we are. <laughs> Still don't have no, I still have a master's of divinity. You know, I'm still focused in higher education. This is my call, my passion, but I've been able to really impart in so many students and just sow seeds of, of knowledge and wisdom and encouragement and grace. And, you know, and, and I feel like I would not have had that, have had that experience or opportunity had I not did it God's way, you know? And so, and I am just so excited, you know, that while I may not have, I may not have a long, extensive resume of just, you know, working in churches or um, in, in many ways, if you looked at my CV, you would look and see like, wow, it seemed like he just got that MDiv and just left it there because everything else is education. <laughs> and so um, all of my certifications or all of my uh, extra trainings are all based in higher education, diversity, and inclusion. Um, so in many ways, it looks like, child, you just got the NMDL for nothing. But no, I do feel like it is serving a purpose. And I encourage anyone um, to go into a seminary, an accredited seminary school, amen, um, that is promoting 
right? Um, inclusive theologies and um, that has a diverse um, diverse options of, of professors, right? You got to look at all of that. Like who is teaching, right? These um, these classes and um, if they're all white men, um, you're probably going to get the same Bible that you got <laughs> when you was a kid. So don't even waste your money, right? But look at who's teaching, right? Are there black people? Are there, you know, um, Jewish folks? Are there um, Latinos? Are there, you know, queer people? Are there um, men and women, gender non-binary? Who is teaching? Who is here, right, in this space? Who is taking up space? All of those questions are important when going into um, a theological program because in many ways, the program should reflect the kingdom. And that's just my two cents. I'm going to leave it alone before y'all get to, y'all going y'all gonna to get, get in my DMs and, and cause a, a, a mess. No, I'm just kidding. But no, I do think that, you know, your theological centers and these institutions should reflect the kingdom, um, the kingdom of God. And so, um, so while I'm not Methodist, okay, I'm definitely not Methodist, but Candler School of Theology is rooted in the United Methodist tradition, um, but had a very diverse um, uh, collegiate faculty roster, just very diverse folks, diverse researches, and all of that matters, right, when you're going into this program. And I learned so much. I have so many notes. If folks want to have side conversations about it, we are, I'm more than happy to do that. Um, but I just wanted to share that with you all because you just never know where life is going to take you. And hopefully it all makes sense in the end. My hope is that you continue to enjoy this summer, continue to live it up, feel revived, make sure you take heed to the vibes you feel um, and listen to that still small voice. Even if it is a man or a woman or um, a voice that you're not able to understand, but you know that it is the voice of God, allow it to lead you and guide you. Um, my hope and prayer is that we'll meet again next week with a new episode. And until then, Keep reading, keep loving on people, and stay hydrated because it's hot out here. All right? Love y'all.